question. All right, so the last Wednesday night of 2023, let's make it the best one yet, right? All right, come on, you pray with me. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, Lord. We thank you for this house that we get to come into where you are dwelling. Lord, we thank you for your glory that is here. We thank you for the way that you have been speaking to us and challenging us. God, I thank you that you are helping us to mature. You are helping us to develop. You are helping us truly to get continually better and not just think about getting continually better. You are stepping on our toes. You are moving in our hearts. And God, we don't want that to stop. So I ask that you would end this night doing a great work among us, preparing us for what you have planned for 2024. We yield ourselves to you tonight. We are not asking that you yield to us. You have your way, and we will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. So let's see. This is lesson five of part one of a series entitled The Healthy Church. And I hope you're not tired of hearing this series because... I don't believe the Lord is tired of speaking, and um, I'm not tired of listening to him. In fact, he woke me up with this lesson early this morning. I didn't actually open my eyes, and I didn't actually get out of the bed, but he started speaking to my mind, and um, I, I, I believe it is, it's, it's a word for tonight for every single one of us. So let's dive right in. I'm not going to recap because being part five means it would take almost the entire 51 minutes to recap, but I will just say if you want to hear any of the previous four lessons, you can go to YouTube and look up Covenant Church of East Texas, and um, you can check out the, the first five lessons of the series. I have been comparing a, the body of Christ because the Bible talks about, teaches us that the church is the body of Christ. And so I have been comparing the body of Christ to a physical body. And as we're talking about the healthy church, we are comparing that to a healthy physical body. And I have brought out previously six characteristics of a healthy physical body, and tonight I am on the seventh characteristic of a healthy <clears throat> physical body. So I'm going to talk about the healthy, the physical side of this first, and then we will relate that to the body of Christ. So point number seven of this series is a healthy body feels pain, okay? A healthy body feels pain. Pain is actually a God-designed blessing. Believe it or not, pain is God-designed and it is a blessing. It is not a curse. A healthy body experiences this God-designed blessing. So what is pain? Pain is this. Pain is a messenger allowing a healthy body to know that everything is not okay. A healthy body experiences pain and then that says something is wrong. The purpose of pain is to get our attention so we can stop, so we can take action, and so we can move. 
so we can stop doing what's causing the pain, so we can take action, okay, and so we can move to get away from the pain. Without it, without pain, we would continue in whatever we were doing to our own self-destruction, okay? Let's look at what the Internet says about pain. According to this website, I believe it's A-Train, C-E-U. I'm not sure what that is. This is what pain is. Let me see who my helper is. It's Benjamin. All right. Thank you, Ben. So according, we'll go with Dove Press first. Okay, good. Stay right. Either one. Doesn't matter. There you go. According to A-Train CEU, pain acts as a signal alerting us to potential tissue damage. Everybody say damage. And leads to a wide range of actions to prevent. Everybody say prevent or limit further damage. Physiologically, pain occurs when sensory nerve endings called, I'm not going to try to say that, also referred to as pain receptors, come into contact with a painful or noxious stimulus. All right, let's go to the next one, dovepress.com. Dovepress.com says this, simply, pain warns us of potential danger to tissue harm or to the presence of injury. Remember, right now we're talking about the physical body. This insult can be with, within or outside the nervous system, physical or chemical, visible or not. Although the characteristics of pain may differ, the role is still the same. Now, I want you to read this last line with me. Pain is the body's alert system. Okay? Pain is the body's alert system. If my husband would come help me at this time, I'm going to kind of give you a, a super, super simple example. So just move your arms in the way they're, they are designed to move, okay? So <laughs> as long as he is moving his arms in the way that they are designed to function, he feels no pain because he is a help. Okay, so a handsome, healthy body at that. So keep moving those. So as long as he's moving in the way that his arms were designed to move, as long as he is getting his arms to function in the way that they are designed to function, he feels no pain, okay? But now begin to do something that your arm is not designed to do. When he starts doing something that his arm is not designed to do, what happens? Pain kicks in. Everybody say it hurts. It hurts. So he will get the message, stop before you harm yourself. Okay? I used two words that you might think are the same, but they are not. It hurts. Everybody say it hurts. So he won't harm. There is a difference in hurt and harm. So the pain is his friend. Because if he doesn't experience hurt, if he doesn't experience pain, and if the pain doesn't hurt, kind of do it again. 
Actually, let me, let me tell you this. I know I'm going far out and we're going to be extreme, but it's the truth. The pain is the only thing keeping him from breaking his own wrist right now. So if he doesn't experience pain, there's nothing stopping him from harming himself where he can't function properly. You got it? So right now, pain is his friend. And if he is wise, he will not ignore the pain, but he will listen to the pain. All right? And he will stop when the pain says stop. In fact, the pain is so much his friend that if he ignores it, it will intensify until he can't ignore it. Everybody say pain is a blessing. If God had not blessed the healthy body with pain, then there would be nothing to keep us from harming, injuring, or destroying our bodies. Yes, the pain does hurt, but it prevents harm. So we're going to compare hurt and harm for just a minute. This is something, if you're taking notes, this is something uh, good to write down. So we're going to talk about hurt and harm so we can establish the foundation here. Uh, Carissa, if you could just help me with the time on that, because uh, I do actually go by that. And we have a baptism tonight. By the way, Mr. Jonathan is getting baptized tonight. <laughs> Let me say this, quick commercial break. His mom was here she brought him from California, and such a mighty move of God on, on that Sunday morning. And then she had to go back home, and she came back yesterday, and I asked her, I said, is your son different than when you brought him here, and what's the answer to that? Yes, her son is different. Everybody say, all glory to God. All the glory belongs to God. So we're going to establish the difference be between hurt and harm for the foundation of tonight's lesson. So pain allows you to feel hurt in order to prevent harm. Pain allows you to feel hurt in order to prevent harm. This would benefit you if you would learn this and never forget it, that there is a difference between hurt and harm. The example that I heard, and it's the best example I can think of, so why would I try to replace it, is that a dentist hurts you, but he does not harm you, okay? Sugar harms you, but does not hurt you, okay? The dentist may hurt you, but the pain he is inflicting on you that causes you to hurt is actually to prevent harm, okay? So there is a difference between hurt and harm. Pain's purpose is to allow us to feel the hurt in order to prevent the harm. So we're going to go back to Jeremy's arm. Knowing that pain is actually the only thing standing in the way of Jeremy bringing permanent harm to his body, 
allows Jeremy to view pain as his friend rather than his enemy. This lesson is going to help us to quit running from something that is actually a friend to us and to quit viewing it as an enemy. Because if the pain, here's why pain is his friend, if the pain didn't kick in causing him to hurt, he could break his arm in a way that would render it completely useless. All right? Are you following me here knowing where we're going from here? So you can conclude a healthy body feels pain. I asked Melissa if it was okay to talk about this, Davy. Davy has a brother that had a brother that was very, very dear to our hearts. And um, he would be about, about 15 months uh, younger than me. His name was Mark. And uh, Mark was a vibrant. Do you think Jake is vibrant? Jake is probably the closest idea of uh, who Mark would be like at that age. <clears throat> Mark was vibrant, full of energy, full of life. He was always in a good mood, wanted to have fun, a lot of fun to be around, and um, just your average active kid. And when he was probably, I want to say eight, and I may not be exactly right because that, you know, that puts me at nine and a half, ten years old, when we started noticing these things, the first thing that I recall noticing as Mark's family started recognizing that Mark was moving from a healthy state to an unhealthy state, the one of the first things that I remember showing up, one of the first signs of Mark becoming unhealthy was he was unable to feel pain. So at four and five years old, he felt pain like a normal, functioning, healthy body. But at like eight years old, we started noticing he doesn't, he doesn't feel any pain. And so we're at their house. They always had the coolest house. They had the Nintendo first. They had the swimming pool first. I mean, we got introduced to all the cool stuff at, at um, Davy's family's house. And so they had a swimming pool, and it was cold, and Mark jumps in. Now, you and I know that there is nothing inviting about a 50-degree swimming pool in 50 degree weather outside. It doesn't scream like, oh, jump in. But Mark jumped in and was fine. Big red flag there, something's, something's not right. That's a healthy body doesn't jump in 50, 60 degree weather um, and, and not feel pain. So I remember that that really Im imprinted something on my mind of how Pain is, is a blessing, and Melissa was telling me today when I asked if it would be okay if I talked about Mark <clears throat> and it not bring too much pain uh, to Davies and his family, she said she reminded me of something that I didn't remember, that 
he had actually swallowed a straight pin because he didn't, he didn't feel the pain. And so they had to rush him to the hospital and, and work to get it out. So that shows you how a healthy physical body experiences pain for a good reason, but an unhealthy body does not experience pain. And the failure to experience pain is a sign that something is wrong. The devastating news is that Mark was um, contracting a disease called adrenoleukodystrophy that took his life, I think, when he was 13 years old. So the fact that he could not feel pain was a sign that, that Mark was dying. At eight years old, Mark was dying. And although it took five years for that disease to take his life, the fact that he couldn't feel pain was a sign that death was taking place. So I want you to know the seriousness of, of pain and, and the importance of us feeling and processing properly the pain that God allows us to feel. <clears throat> There's a common phrase I've heard among churchgoers for at least the last 10 years. I've been, I think, actively, more actively involved in ministry probably in the last 10 years. I know we've been pastoring for um, three and a half years, but before that, we were very active in ministry, even when my parents were the senior pastors here. So I would think it's probably been, I could trace it back to 2014. So about nine or 10 years, I've heard a common phrase heavily used among churchgoers. <clears throat> and it's the phrase that says, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm hurt. I know, I'm just hurt. And I've heard that phrase so much that I've actually been able to evaluate when it's used and the state of the person that's using it. And I have found similarities. I have found, I have found similarities behind the phrase, I'm hurt. And I want to talk about that tonight. <clears throat> Instead of embracing the pain <clears throat> as a friend, thank you. Thank you so much. You can just leave that right there. Thank you, Jamie. Instead of Embracing the pain as a friend that's preventing permanent harm. These people that say I'm hurt run from the pain. I'm going to read that again. Instead of embracing the pain as a friend that's preventing permanent harm, they run from the hurt. Jesus is not committed to preventing your pain. He's committed to doing everything he can to prevent your harm. He's not committed to doing whatever it takes to prevent you from hurting. He's committed to doing whatever it takes to prevent you from eternal destruction and damnation. 
Like Bryce mentioned last week, yes, God is love. In fact, he is so full of love that he refuses to just watch you destroy your own life. His love is a love that brings something the Word of God calls chastening. I'm going to take you, Ben, to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where Peter tells us, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. You follow me there? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so I ask the question here, what exactly is this verse telling us? If he's not willing that any should perish, what exactly is that saying to us? I do believe Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5 answers that. So Ben, I'm going to, if you'll go to Hebrews 12 verse 5, I'm going to read all the way to verse 11. So now that you've seen the, the benefits of physical pain, let's talk about this as it relates to the members of the body of Christ. Just like Jeremy's arm is a member of his body and his hand is a member of his body when that member starts hurting it's a sign something is wrong and something is being done wrong okay so when you as a member of the body of christ is hurting it's a sign that something is wrong something has is being done wrong or has been done wrong to a member of christ's body he says, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. How many of you feel like you've ever been rebuked by the Lord? <laughs> How many of you are standing in line asking for that tonight? <laughs> for whom the Lord loves. He's a God of love, right? But whom he loves, he chastens and scourges every son who he receives. Now, I looked up the Greek word for that word chasten, and that word means disciplinary correction. So whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and corrects and scourges. I looked up the word scourge. Buckle your seatbelt because that word means flog. And you say, God must have abandoned me. And God says, I love you too much to sit back and watch you destroy your own life. I'm going to let you hurt so bad that it gets your attention. Let's keep going in Hebrews. If you endure that chastening, God deals with you as his sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And if you're a parent, I want you to ask yourself, what kind of parent are you if you don't discipline your children? But if you are without discipline, without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate. That's the kind of love God has. He says, I love you too much to let you be illegitimate. 
and you are not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, our eternal Father, does it for our profit. Everybody say, for our profit. Keep going. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Everybody say amen to that. Julio. <laughs> but it's painful. There's that word. It's painful, and it's supposed to be painful. Nevertheless, Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. The pain is supposed to produce peace. If you don't have the hurt kick in, then the harm is going to set in. Okay? So what are these two passages of Scripture telling us? They are telling us that God loves us enough to go to extreme lengths to save us. These are the extreme lengths he goes to. Number one, he went to such an extreme length that Isaiah tells us the chastisement, there's that word again, the chastisement of our peace was put on Christ. He took our disciplinary correction in advance. That's extreme. And if that doesn't work, because that was in order to redeem us, if that doesn't work, he will go to phase two. And phase two says he will allow us to experience a flogging and a chastening in hopes that the pain brought on by that flogging and chastening will awaken us and spur us on to action Movement and change. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Has a new meaning now. Like he loves us enough to let us feel enough pain to get out of the hell that we are living in. Lex, that might be the song to do after this. Okay, so let's make it a little more real. Would you show me the, the picture, Ben, of that cliff? Now, I, I've used this, exa this example so many times, but it's so real to me because God gave me this revelation, okay? So if, if you have a friend, not an acquaintance, a friend, someone that you love that is headed off of that baby right there would you be willing to hurt them in order to keep them from going off of that cliff like to what lengths would love go in order to stop a loved one from heading off of that cliff I say it this way if Lexi were heading off of that cliff I love her way too much to just say I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest fan, baby girl. You look so beautiful as you are heading off that cliff. Girl, do it with style. That's not love. 
In fact, I hate her if I applaud her as she heads off the cliff. But I also hate her if I don't not celebrate her, if I don't celebrate her, but I also don't stand in the way. So maybe I don't celebrate her as she's heading off the cliff, but I just don't interfere because I don't want to hurt her feelings. I mean, at least she'll go headlong over the cliff knowing that I was not willing to hurt her feelings. Like, at least she'll thank me for not hurting her. At least when she goes off the cliff, she won't head off the cliff offended at me. I mean, I don't want to hurt her because then she might head off the cliff saying, I'm hurt. No, I hate her if I don't interfere in her heading off that cliff. So what is love? Maybe I try to talk to her first, but I love her so much that if she refuses to listen to my talking, I'm going to body slam her. Like, I'm going to knock her lights out. And then when she wakes up and says, you hurt me, I'm going to say, because I, because I don't want you to harm yourself. Like, I will do whatever it takes, Lexi, for you. And I think I have, right? Tenth grade year. I think I have. When I looked at her and said, you need to get a hold of yourself right now. You're hurting my feelings. <laughs> Oh, that was fun. Those were fun days. Those were fun days. No, I honestly love her enough. And Jesus Christ loves you enough to let the trip before you go off of that cliff start hurting you so bad and then get so intense and get so major that you finally say, what in the world is going on here? That's love. See if you can see the difference here in hurt and harm. Let me just tell you, Jesus is radical. This might be offensive. Warning, the following, what do they say? The following (laughs) may be offensive. Jesus' words in Matthew 18. You better put this up there, Ben, because I don't think... They, I don't want the blame for this. Matthew 18 and 8, Jesus says, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. In other words, it's going to hurt, but it's okay because it is better for you to enter into life hurt rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into the everlasting fire, that's harm. It's better for you to hurt than for you to harm yourself and your family. Then he doubles down. I'm telling you, he doubles down. If your eye causes you to sin, 
pluck that baby out and cast it from you because it is better for you to enter into life hurt rather than with two eyes be cast into hellfire and be harmed. And I wonder if there's going to be a few people at the judgment seat of Christ where he says, why in the world do you have two eyes right now? Because that's what's sending you to hell. Why in the world, you thief, do you have two hands? Because that's what's, I didn't want to send you to hell, but you refuse to face the pain. He might say, why in the world did you have an iPhone when all you had to do was throw it away? And you're actually going to let that thing send you to hell? Why in the world did you have an iMac computer? Why did you not cut that thing off of your life? You're literally going to let that thing send you to hell? Why in the world did you not cut your hand off that kept going to that substance so you wouldn't feel pain? Because that's what's going to send you to hell. So let's look at the healthy church. Let's look at this from the perspective of the healthy church, the healthy body of Christ. If we could have a change of perspective, then we can drastically reduce the risk of falling away due to offense in these last days. And if God will help me, the next person that tells me I'm just hurt, I'm going to say, praise God. You can be saved now. Praise God, your family can be healed now because this hurt is actually a blessing in your life. Whoever said something to hurt you, they actually were blessing you. Jesus kissed Judas and called him friend after Judas betrayed him. Why? Because Jesus knew this hurts, but it's fixing to catapult me into being the Messiah that I have been created to be. So if we can have a change of perspective, then we can drastically reduce the risk of what Jesus said. Many are going to fall away. Many will be offended in the last days. Why? Because they don't like pain. So we must embrace God's purpose for pain. I once heard it preached. I, this is a sermon I remember, I recall, when we were downstairs. And so I had to be probably 14 years old, and I remember a preacher coming, and he said, if a church-going person, if you as a church-going person, a church-going saved person, if you go to hell, Lita probably remembers this, it's because you got offended. If you as a saved church-going person end up in hell, it won't be because sin got you, it'll be because offense got you. Do you remember that, Dave? I don't know. Do you remember that, Lita? It'll be because you'll end up in hell because you got offended. So we've got to make sure we embrace God's purpose for pain. Because if we don't, this is the favorite part of my lesson right here. When this opened up today as I was studying, I was like, wow, I'm blown away. If we don't embrace God's purpose for pain, the enemy is ready to present to us an alternative. And here's what the enemy's alternative is. It's called a painkiller. It's called a painkiller. So I asked Alana today. She's my, my nursing source. Well, let me say that better. <laughs> I don't nurse anymore. That's been a long time since I nursed. She is, <laughs> she's my medical source. 
just want to make sure. I mean, I still have a kid at home, but we, we quit that a long time ago. <laughs> I had to break the ice a little bit. It was getting a little stiff in here. Okay, she's my medical source. The enemy presents something called a painkiller. So we're going to talk about painkillers. Now we're going to switch back to the physical sense. And we're going to use a very well-known, popular painkiller called fentanyl. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Fentanyl. Although, I've got to read this so I get it right. Although extremely effective in treating pain. Understand, it's extremely effective in treating pain. This drug has no benefits to the body. It's extremely effective in killing pain. It's also extremely effective in killing the body. So understand, if we as a church and members of Christ's body, if we don't learn how to embrace pain um, as God intended for us to embrace it, then we will find ourselves in the arms of spiritual painkillers. We're going to look. I couldn't believe when I pulled up fentanyl. I could not believe what it does to the body. So I got to go through this quickly. Let's look at the effects of fentanyl, and then we're going to compare it. I'm going to go back and forth. Physical, spiritual. Number one, it causes relaxation. Spiritual painkillers will cause complacency. That is the complete opposite of what Jesus said when he said, watch and pray. When Peter said, be sober and vigilant. If you take the enemy's painkillers, you will relax spiritually and become complacent. The second effect of fentanyl on the body is euphoria. The Bible tells us that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And you will absolutely not feel any conviction and feel no opportunity for repentance. You just feel so good. And you go to a painkiller church and they just make you feel so good about your sin. And you're just in this blissful, euphoric state of God is love all the way to hell. And somebody that dies of a fentanyl overdose can be in a state of euphoria right into death. The third effect of fentanyl on the body is pain relief. And spiritually, the enemy's pain relievers quiet the God-given alert telling you something is wrong. So you don't deal with what's wrong. You just tell that pain to shut up. You just escape it. You don't deal with it. You don't get things right in your family. You just escape the pain. You don't get things right in your finances. You just escape the pain. You don't get things right in your life. You just escape the pain. When the pain is your friend, the pain is saying something's wrong. Something's wrong. You've got danger on the way. You've got injury coming. Destruction is coming. But you just keep taking those pain pillars of whatever they are. I mean, those painkillers, whatever they are. You know what 
the enemy offers you as a painkiller. The fourth effect is sedation. And spiritually, the enemy offers you painkillers that bring a spiritual slumbering, a spiritual sleepiness, and that is the complete opposite of an awakening. That's what America had. In 2019, everything was so great. We were asleep as a nation. I thank God for 2020. And I thank God for every ounce of pain that we are feeling right now because it is filling this house up. Do you know that we needed this pain in order to, in, uh, in order to wake up and realize Jesus is coming. Something's changing. I've got to wake up. It also, fentanyl causes confusion. I don't need to elaborate. Confusion. God is not the author of confusion. And if you involve yourself in, in be careful who you listen to. Because if you're listening to a painkiller evangelist, he'll make you feel really good and you'll be confused at the same time. God's not the author of confusion. Then it brings about drowsiness where you're spirit, spiritually lethargic. You have apathy. You're lazy. You can't get moving. You're stuck. And you have, you expect every leader in your life to just tickle your ears and, and you control them with your hurt feelings. And so nobody can be honest with you. And they leave you stuck. And you surround yourself with painkiller friends. Of just tell me that everything I'm doing is okay. And I, I've said it once before. You can find somebody that can twist the word of God and make whatever you're doing that's wrong appear to be right. You can, you can have a load of painkiller friends. They're a dime a dozen. Then it causes dizziness, which is losing one's balance. You lose the balance. And when you're dizzy, you lose all sense of direction. And you don't know where up is and where down is. And you're headed downhill and you don't even know it. Then it brings, also fentanyl brings nausea and vomiting. A healthy body receives food and digests it, but an unhealthy body receives food and rejects it. Spiritual painkillers cause you to reject the spiritual food and nourishment that you are supposed to be receiving into your life. It causes you to reject Christ. It causes you to reject the truth. And then it causes you to vomit all over everybody with your rotten attitude. Something else that fentanyl causes is urinary retention. So spiritually, instead of discarding what doesn't belong in your life, you retain it. You retain the bitterness. You retain the anger. You retain the frustration. And your body is supposed to be getting rid of those toxins, but instead you're just retaining them. And you forget the goodness of God, and you remember all the hurt and the pain. Then it causes something called pupillary constriction. That's your eye. I couldn't believe this. I looked it up like, what is that? Pupillary constriction is your eye does that in order to keep out light. Wow. Oh, my word. Spiritual painkillers cause your eyes to squint so the light of God cannot come in and change your life. Painkiller churches 
Keep the light from coming into your life. Painkiller friends. Keep God's light from coming in to your life. When I saw that, I was like, dear Lord, you are speaking to us. There's no way that I could have even planned. I don't even know what popularity constriction is. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Pupillary, I told you. <laughs> Pupillary. All the more my point. Respiratory depression is the last one, which is shallow breathing that prevents the needed exchange of gases. And the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. And painkillers keep you from being able to receive the breath of God in your life because your life's too shallow. Your religion is too shallow. Your spirituality is too shallow. And the breath of God wants to breathe in you. And you don't want to take deep breaths in the presence of God. Spiritual painkillers cause shallow and slow spiritual breathing, which doesn't allow the Holy Spirit in and doesn't allow the bad spirits out. If we don't learn to surrender to God's design for pain, we will try to escape it and run from it. Dave, would you come and just play something soft? I need to keep going. I'm going to just buckle down and read because I really need to finish this. If we don't learn to surrender to God's design for pain, we will try to escape it. We will try to run from it through spiritual painkillers that can even find a spiritual leader or church to escape to that protects us from pain. So listen to me. Don't kill the pain. The Spirit of the Lord woke me up with this message today. And it's convicting me because I, I want to repent. I've been a painkiller leader. I have. I have not wanted to hurt. I was raised in a grandfather's. My, I, I was not raised by my grandfather, but I was very close to my grandfather. And he was the founding pastor of this church. And so we were, we were very close. And I saw a lot of people come in and out of his life because of hurt. Because he didn't do what they wanted him to do. And, and then I was raised in a pastor's home. My dad became the pastor. And, and I, would, I, I, I become, became accustomed to people coming into our life and then leaving our life so quick. All we had to do was say one word that they didn't like. Cut my hair, 55 people gone because I cut my hair. Somebody saw a TV in our home and left our church. I mean, we couldn't hardly do anything without hurting people. And I became so accustomed to I can't trust anybody you may be in my life today but I don't know if you're going to be in my life tomorrow and I, I had I was faced with the option of either as we began to pastor I was faced with the option of either hold people at a distance and don't love them because they're likely going to lead you tomorrow or determine within yourself you'll do everything within your power to never hurt them and you guys are so lovable that I couldn't resist you so I just decided I won't hurt them. I just won't hurt them. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that I never offend Kayla because I don't want to live without Kayla doing ministry with me. And I'll do whatever it takes to not hurt. And I'll tell you what you need to hear. And I'll compromise in the pulpit. I know you don't see that now. I'm not talking about today. In the past. If you don't like speaking in tongues, then I won't talk about speaking in tongues. If you don't like how we baptize, then I won't, I won't talk about how we baptize. If you want to live together without being married, 
I'm not going to tell you that it's not okay. I mean, I, I'll do whatever it takes because, because I love you. I don't want to hurt you. And so I'll, I'll dance around you because I've had the last person in my life to walk away. That's what I hoped. And I danced around and I found out that the people that I spoiled the most were the people that I hurt the greatest. Excuse me, I harmed the greatest. And I'm sad about that. So I'm convicted because I was a painkiller leader. I was not a painkilling mom. And the Lord spoke to me last September when, September a year ago when I was with Jeremy, the Lord spoke to me and he said, he said, you didn't spoil your children and look how it turned out for them. So why are you spoiling the people I've called you to lead? And I want to I say this to parents real quick. I believed this verse of train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I believed in the verse that said foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And I believed in the scripture that says he who spares his rod hates his son because but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. So I did that with our children, but I, I didn't do it with church people. I understood that it was greater harm to spoil my children, and it was better to hurt their feelings than to harm their future. But I didn't practice that with church people. So the Lord told me, you're harming them permanently by not wanting to hurt their feelings. And I want to tell you parents briefly, I want to take the time. If you don't discipline your children because you're afraid to hurt them, you're harming them. And people are going to hate them. And the Bible says you hate. Go look it up. It does not say if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. It does not say that. It says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. Now, I'm not talking about spankings. And I don't mind. I'm not going to get in your business on how you discipline. But I am going to say discipline. It's okay to hurt their feelings, but don't you dare harm their future because you're afraid to hurt their feelings. You're harming them. So he said, why are you doing that to your church family? You're setting them up to be prey to the enemy because you're letting them control you by fear of hurt, being hurt. So today I'm repenting for this, and I want to say this. Here's the kind of person I was when my dad owned BDJs. We owned it for several years, and my husband and I managed it. It's where Truckers is now. We own that convenience store. I was so backwards as a manager, and we didn't have the scanning system at, you know, when we first opened back in the 80s. And so when I was managing in the 90s, we didn't have the scanning system. So we had to actually teach our employees what the prices were, and they had to know the, the price of everything. And if they were ringing up an item wrong, I didn't even have the guts to tell them. I just let them ring it up wrong. That's how backwards I was. And that's the kind of leader I, I was being. Not a leader. That's not a leader. So I have to repent because there is this potential inside of me to be so afraid of hurting you that I harm you. And the Lord spoke to me. A while back, and if he will help me, I will walk in this in the future. We've got to embrace pain. 
We've got to embrace conviction. We've got to embrace correction. And I want to thank David Clay and Brittany for being the first couple that said, you're hurting our feelings, but it's helping us. And I didn't know how to take that because what I was used to was you're hurting my feelings. I'm gone. Never speak to me again. But they kept coming back for more. And then they would just require that I was honest with them and it would hurt me as I was being honest with them. And they would say, we need this. You're hurting our feelings, but you're making a difference in our lives. And one other revelation the Lord gave me. As a leader, I didn't want to put pressure on anybody. So we would carry the whole load. I didn't want to put any pressure on anyone. And God said they are facing so much pressure in the world. If you don't give them good pressure, you give them nothing to balance out the bad pressure. For 2024 as a leader, I have repented. And we're not going to shield you from the hurt and the conviction that is going to bring about a change in your life and your family. Would you stand? We're going to walk in what Paul says. He says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Because there's going to come a time in those end days where men will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they're going to heap up for themselves pain-killing teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth. And they... He also says in Timothy, will have their conscience seared with a hot iron because they hate pain. And they'll become unable to feel the pain of conviction that leads to repentance. So we don't ignore the pain. Come on, everybody right now. I want you to ask the Father to give you a mind change so that you'll quit trying to kill the pain, so you'll quit trying to run from the pain, so you'll quit trying to avoid the pain and reject the pain, and you're going to say, Father, what are you speaking to me? What do I need to change? What do I need to do? Thank you, God, that you're not going to let me stay in this hell hole, but you're going to let it hurt enough until I want to get out of it. Father, I ask that you would give us your purpose and your perspective for pain so that we won't run from conviction, so that we won't run from your correction, but we will run to your correction so you can change us, so you can save us, so you can deliver us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You love us and you love God. I want us to give my wife a hand right now for bringing this word that's hard, it's hard to bring. You and I know that we, we love that boy, Jaren, and Bryce, who's not here tonight, George, our home of three boys. We love those boys. I'll tell you what, there was some strong discipline, and there were some strong words spoken, and there was some pain that was brought to ones that we love more than anybody in this world. We love those boys. And I wanted to bring up, I can't hardly, I'm not trying to add to this, but I, we've been listening to some leadership training. And one thing that I picked up on today that uh, it just ties right in with what she's teaching us tonight 
And he talked about how we need to have a mindset as leaders, but I'll just say we need to have a mindset as Christians living for God, and it's called touch the line. I'm going to explain it real quick. If you've ever been in athletics or if you've ever seen athletics and you've seen how a coach who's causing pain, making you do the things you don't want to do so that you can be the things that you know you are, God has called you to be, and you get on that basketball court, and he says, everybody line up. Now run out 10 yards and bend down and touch that line and run back. And now now go half court. Now go three quarters. You're on the football field, the 20, the 30. There's always a group of boys or girls who don't want to feel the pain, don't want to quite do the steps, don't want to quite touch the line. But there are a few that run the full length. They don't short themselves. They don't short the team. And they don't try to skip out. But they go through the pain. They go through the hurt. And they run all the way. And they make themselves touch the line. Come back. Touch the line. It hurts. I'm running a little bit harder. I'm doing a little bit more than you. And what she's brought to us tonight is, instead of a line, she's setting a bar for us. And we need to touch that. And if it hurts, you touch it. You don't like it, you touch it. We, we are bowing. We're already there. I don't want anybody to hear this tonight and think that we have just been like, oh, we just love everybody to hell. No, no. We want to love you to heaven. And we are bowing to you that we are going to say this prayer. We're going to pray these. And I've already been praying this for a few people that I know of that I know are on their way to a devil's hell. And I'm saying, Lord, do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, if you need to cause something to happen for them to be put in prison, in jail, whatever, whatever it takes, do whatever it takes. We will, through God's anointing and power, be strategically abrasive. We will be strategically abrasive and pushy. And we are vowing to you right now that we are going to say some things and text some encouraging texts and pray some encouraging prayers. But I want everybody in here right now and those that are listening online, and if you hear about this message, just prepare your heart right now that you say, first of all, you've heard this before. Nobody cares how much you know till they, till they know how much you care. We love you. We want every one of you to be successful and powerful and used as a disciple for Jesus and mighty and powerful in His name. But it causes the, for the ones that we love, those boys, there were some times when it, we had to have those tough moments and those tough conversations. So just prepare yourself. If we send you a text or we call you, just say, I know you love me. I know you love me. Amen, amen. Here's how we're going to do it. I know you need to get your children, and I know the van needs to go. But I also know some people need to pray. So you can go get your children and bring them back up if you need to pray. We're going to baptize Jonathan. The van uh, leaders can be dismissed for sure. You're welcome to stay, and you're welcome to go. But just make sure that you have an encounter with God before you leave 2023, move into 2024 with Him doing a work in your life that prevents harm in Jesus' name. All right, let's, let's celebrate this young man. Upon your confession of faith, 
in the obedience to the word of God, I baptize you in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus Christ's name. Texas, and it hurt him, but it helped him. Come on, lift your hands right now and say, God, whatever it takes. 